do, Johnnies. It's Thursday the 16th of February and this is Game On. Coming up today, Paul Corey, Anthony Pine and Graeme Garthland will preview the League of Ireland season. Jeff Shepherd will join us to talk US sports and Bernard Jackman has the latest at rugby news. If you want to get in touch, please text us on 51552 or tweet at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Welcome along. I am delighted to say that we're going to get straight into the football. Anthony Pine and Paul Curry are with me in studio. And Paul, before we go looking back on last night's games, just a word on Barcelona, Manchester United. It's 16 minutes um, in. No score yet, but you've been watching a little bit of it. How are both teams looking? Yeah, both sides kind of feeling each other out within within those first 15 minutes, Marie. Um, Barcelona probably had a bit more of the play and a bit more of the possession, particularly in the Manchester United final third. But, I mean, they, they sort of look like they're, they're both cancelling each other out. But with regards to kind of the starting 11s, both teams have gone full whack here. And uh, I might not have expected that, given how well they're both going domestically and probably guaranteed... Champions League football for mm-hmm. next year but obviously they, they see this as an opportunity to build on and um, yeah really strong sides like just even Rafinha Lewandowski Gavi at the top end of the pitch for Barcelona it's interesting to see kind of the transition they've gone through and where they're at but to date and 15 minutes in nil nil. Anthony it's so strange to see a game like this of the calibre of these two teams on at 5 o'clock in the evening Yeah it reminds Six me a little bit of <laughs> not, not this season but in la- previous seasons where Manchester United would play Arsenal and they show the old yeah. fixtures in the late 90s and early 90s where in the build-up to this you're seeing you know the classic games of the Ferguson era and of course they, they've uh, both fallen from grace since then but in fairness they're both going in the right direction mm. again they are they are actually two good sides and um, it should be an interesting couple of legs I think um, looking at them as Paul says are kind of cancelling each other out at the minute but there's mm. a lot of good footballers on the pitch Yeah it feels like they're both quite relevant again for a while they were in obscurity but they're back Graeme Gardland joins us now on the line Graeme did you get to see any of the Manchester City Arsenal game last night or were you out training? I, I was out training would you I believe yeah I was out coaching yeah as always giving, giving back as they say <laughs> oh, God, you know you saw well well it's all well and good for you getting in to sit and watch it but some of us are out coaching the next generation you know yeah well uh, I was out coaching as well my mother's and others for a while uh, but we it's so late the match is nearly over by the time we get a pitch <laughs> uh, Paul you saw a good bit of it I know you're watching Chelsea too I was cosy in Castlenock. <laughs> I was cosy in Castlenock. Yeah, no, it was, it was an excellent game. I was actually flicking between the Chelsea and Dortmund game, but it was it was a fantastic game of football to watch, and you can see the the rivalry that has begun to develop between the two sides. And to be fair to Arsenal, they really pushed them last night from a footballing point of mm-hmm. view, and and kind of the balance of the game. It was it was one where a mistake either side was probably the difference between the teams Tommy Asu for the first goal never lifted his head which is an absolute schoolboy error and almost fed Kevin De Bruyne in and Gabriel for the second goal as well just a a lack of experience or a lack of know-how at the back overplaying and feeding the ball to Manchester City which you just can't afford to do and that was what separated the sides and um, I guess for the the, well running it's probably a bit early to say running but for the kind of the gap between the two sides the running between those two it's going to be an incredible watch Yeah it is Anthony but you can't help but feel a little bit for the Arsenal fans because the suggestion from the outset was that they're going to have a bit of a wobble I know it's Manchester City they are like arguably the best team in the league at the moment um, but for Arsenal not to not to deliver last night and not to deliver for the last few weeks how damaging is it going to be do you think in the long run are they going to win the title? Uh, I don't think so but they're still absolutely in it. I mean, mm. they're, they're levelling points with the game in hand and they have to play Man City again, which a lot of Arsenal fans are looking at that as a negative. We still have to go to City. It's actually a really big positive. They can beat Man City. 
they're, they're capable of doing it I, I, th- I thought Arsenal were very good last night but they're really highly strung Marie mm. as a club and including the manager who's excellent Arteta's done a brilliant job there but he's, he's quite highly strung he got involved with the Bruyne on the touchline didn't he at one stage you know th- there's no need for that yeah. uh, the fans are on edge it's February <laughs> it's know, February yeah. okay they've squandered an 8 point lead but I don't think City I think City have actually dipped this season a little similar to Liverpool nowhere near the same extent but the energy levy levels have just sagged a little bit and I thought Arsenal looked like the team with more energy more purpose last night they had a lot more possession they had chances yeah. too you know it was just as Paul says just a little moments a couple of mistakes won the game but I, I think that that title race as long as they keep their heads you know they're still banging it banging it but there's something about Arsenal it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy you kind of feel like they're going to implode and they keep talking about themselves yeah. <laughs> this, got, this isn't going even when they were eight <laughs> points clear we're going to blow it yeah. they, still there's chance. no confidence there from the fans it's, and then I'm sure it probably seeps in when the narrative is that you're expecting them to to make a mess of it yeah I think their squad is still a lot thinner than Man City's last night they were at Thomas Partey and I think when you take somebody mm-hmm. like that or Xhaka out of the middle of the pitch they had Jorginho to fill in but they just don't say, seem to have the same sort of rhythm or the same sort of presence in those positions and I've always had one or two question marks about Saliba and Gabriel they've done tremendously well to, to date within this Premier League season but I mean last night was a perfect example of Gabriel just coughing up possession you just can't afford to do that so Paul Let's move on to Chelsea then because the prediction from you was that they will win the Champions League. Was that something along those lines? Well, I didn't say win the Champions League. I said they go deep in the Champions League. <laughs> I'm kind of maybe changing my words now. You're but reversing a little bit there now. Honestly, I was pulling my hair out last night watching this game. Still find it hard to understand how they actually did manage to get something out of it. They had so many chances and it's probably been the story of Graham Potter and Chelsea over the last number of weeks. Um, decent kind of build-up play, good in possession. Joe Felix looks an absolute superstar, an artist on the football, like just so fluid with the ball at his feet, able to open up defences. And what was missing was just that kind of killer instinct in, in the box. Felix missed two good chances, Havertz missed a good header and they ultimately got done on a counter-attack from a set piece and it's just seems to be going that way for Graham Potter at the moment they don't seem to be playing badly but they just can't seem to to graft out results I think that's they've only three wins in the last 15 games which is worrying the performances are certainly get getting for, better get sacked for less yeah I, I think I was I was listening to, to Owen Hargreaves last night and he was saying you know the owners are, are quite statistical in how they go mm. about things and they're, they're probably looking at some of the statistics from games and saying at a point and at a stage this will start to turn results have to improve but performances are slowly getting better Anthony, uh, Jonathan Liu in The Guardian wrote that the truth for Chelsea is that there is no plan yet, just that kind of mid-tempo chaos you get when you are still at the thick end of one of the most audacious experiments ever seen in elite football. Yeah, so <laughs> in other words, so when you've spent, I think, £330 million on, on talent in January and now you've got to mesh it together and, and they've got a fantastic coach in Graham Potter and he is, he really is an excellent coach. I think what happens when coaches step into these type of jobs, like he's come from Brighton, everything is analysed. I mean, his demeanour on the touchline, the way he reacts to a missed chance, every, especially when they're mm-hmm. not winning games. Um, so it is a little unfair. And they were, I think Chelsea were, I mean, they were profligate, but they were also a little unlucky last night. And I still absolutely think they can turn that around. I, I think they're a stronger side than Dortmund. But they're trying to make this gel as quickly as possible, which is difficult. You know, that's not a natural process. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make things squeeze people into certain positions and, and try and stumble upon a formation very, very quickly. Uh, but the, they have tons of quality. And if they came through this tie, maybe that could be a turning point and maybe they couldn't end up going deep because they, they have an abundance of riches. And I love watching Joe Felix. I thought he was fantastic last night. He is a real mm. gem of a player. 
Uh, he, he actually could end Mason Mount's Chelsea career. I mean, he, he could get squeezed out in the summer because of because he's, he's absolutely quality. So uh, we'll see. That was a huge return leg for them. Huge for Potter, that second game. The, the squad now, for me, is stronger than the one that actually won the Champions League going back two and a half years ago. He just has to find a way of making this work. Yeah, I feel for him and uh, he does handle himself so well in the press as well. He just he seems like one of the good guys and you want him to do well, but um, I think he's on thin ice. Um, okay, so there are 24 minutes gone. It is still in the all between Manchester United and Barcelona. We're going to turn our attention now to the League of Ireland, which gets underway tomorrow. Uh, Graeme Gartland is with us. Graeme, so you were training last night, so you must have a night off tonight now then, do you? Ah, uh, yeah, finally, yeah. Right. The lads are still up there. My, the young lads are still up there doing the strength and conditioning uh, work tonight. So I just let them go with the strength and conditioning guys for that. I don't get involved in it. So I'm able to do the radio for you. Great. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, Graham is a coach out in Shamrock Rovers. They are looking to defend their league title this year. Uh, Graham, can you sense, uh, like, when you're out there, like, what's the feeling? How do the squad look? Are you on the right track? I just think there's a quiet sort of confidence about the group. Uh, they haven't, they, they, they know what's at stake going into the the season. They know, uh, you know, it's another league title at stake. But they're they're chasing um, a bit of history as well. They're chasing probably the goals to the eighties, which is um, which hangs over it as well in a good way. So they know that, you know, they know what's in front of them, but they're not they're not out there talking about it they're just going about their business and trying to just get on and uh, focus on each game as it comes and see what goes with it really like you know I don't. I think if you start looking too far ahead for anything you, you'll, you'll, you'll miss sight of what's in front of you and you just have the league is about just churning out results and winning games on a consistent basis and never letting maybe a defeat sink in too much and never letting a victory go to your head and just having that consistency and I think that's what uh, Rovers have have had in the last three seasons The worry always when they're heading into a new season is that when you look at the team that they have and then look at the, the bench or look at the whole squad they have so much quality that you wonder how Stephen Bradley keeps everybody happy but Graeme he seems to be able to do it to be fair to him yeah, I mean, it's like you were touching on the, the Graham Porter one. It's like Graham Porter at the moment probably has a lot more unhappy players than he has happy players because of the squad is so bloated. But Stephen seems to keep them hungry and keep them ready to play and knows when to use them and knows when to, they need a rest. And that's half the battle. And again, everybody's buying into what they're trying to do. And most like like most good teams, that's what it's about. People know that they have to come in and play their role and they might get... Um, a certain amount of games to do that and they have to perform and, and that but it's always about the team comes first and the club comes first Paul they've gained a few players lost a few players just on balance when you compare it to last season and they've Jack Byrne to come back to you as well from injury do, they, do you think they have a stronger squad this year? Yeah I think they're stronger uh, I think they've, they've really strengthened in, in key positions and I think when you look at the Shamrock Rovers squad there's probably a number of players who are either coming very close to 30 or north of 30 and if you look at the players that they've brought in Kenny, Burt, Clark and Poom they just probably sprinkle a, a bit of youth and energy into the mm. team that will help them I think throughout the season um, I think they're very strong Marie I, th- I, d- I don't think there's any weaknesses when you look throughout the squad I think they've got strength and depth and they've got people who can come in and do a- as well a job as, as maybe Stephen Bradley's first choice 11 but just touching on, on Graeme's point as well there like if you look at the number of games they've had to play last year they needed that full squad and they will yeah. need it again like they, they <coughs> what 36 games in the league 
the run in Europe, the FAI Cup, they were beaten by Derry last year. That was probably because the squad was stretched at that time. And there's enough competitions, enough games there to spread throughout. And when I look at the players they've lost, yes, Andy Lyons is a massive massive loss given what he offered going forward and and um, defensively as well within that five of the back formation but Trevor Clark has been there before he knows Tala very well he was excellent when he was there first time round and Kenny and Burse uh, have both played in the league mm-hmm. have both done it um, I'm struggling to see how they aren't stronger this year than they were last I forgot I think about that's a good, yeah, I think that's a good point the signed players that know the league Burt has been in the league a few seasons now Kenny's been in the league he's been successful in it so is Bort so is Clark Pilm obviously coming in is, is a fresh signing so 75% of the signings have been successful in the league Derry have done similar they've signed lads that know the league and they've been successful um, and and that's what it's about that they're hitting the ground running most players who come into a new team it takes them a little while to settle throwing the fact that they're playing the new league might take them a little bit longer but that, that factor isn't there with some of these players so it's just about how they settle into the squad and when you're coming into a successful squad that's winning and, and has a good atmosphere it's easier to settle because you have good players around you that are talking you through it and helping you in certain situations um, this is the way we do it here this is how we like it this is how we, we expect you to train and that you can settle quicker because of that Anthony I'd forgotten about Johnny Kenny because there was so much um, I guess attention on him when he did sign for Shamrock Rovers because Sligo Rovers were of course trying to get him back and his first outing will be heading heading home to Sligo so no doubt they'll be giving him a nice warm welcome when he goes down there Oh uh, yeah I mean, it really stung Sligo to, to see him go to Shamrock Rovers and look it, how he does is, is going to be really interesting because you know I think I don't know how much of an input Celtic would have had in terms of where he would go but he is going into an excellent environment you know he's going into the Champions um, sometimes you look at you know a team that's won three in a row, and the question mark over say you'd look at Derry are they hungrier? Do they want it more? But Shamrock Rovers have the chance to win four in a row. Like that's a huge carrot. Like th- that dressing room will not get the chance to do that again. So everybody is hungry to go again. I think the age profile of not just Johnny Kenny but the the other players that they brought in, uh, Burt and Marcus Poom, who sort of looks like he might come in to replace Chris McCann. That kind of technically good midfield player is, is good. Um, and you know the, these young, they're sort of early 20s but they're surrounded by older winners experienced winners so Johnny Kenny is coming into a really good environment I don't exactly know how Stephen Bradley is going to juggle his forward line Rory Gaffney was outstanding last season but whether he can replicate that again this season uh, it's it's a big ask for him I and mean, that was kind of like maybe the strongest year of his of his career uh, Gaffney but he, he doesn't have to you know he doesn't have to if they have that sort of artillery to back him up and to rotate and to keep things fresh so they, they are looking good I expect the title race I do expect Derry to push them mm-hmm. close um, but you know Rovers are strong they really are Just on Sligo Rovers uh, Graham, I, I read that it was a good interview with uh, John Russell in the Indo over the last few days and they were talking about the where he gets his players from and there's that uh, website I think it's called Transfer Room or, or something like that but he mm. has brought in a a lot of players that we probably have never heard of. We might know them by um, in a few months' time, but uh, it does feel like when you're bringing in players from something like that, it's you're taking a bit of a punt. Yeah, I, we've been there when you're looking at players. We used to go onto a, a system called Voice Scout where we we go and look at players and try and get eyes on them, especially if they're getting recommended to you. You'd, you'd, you'd sit through and watch a couple of games. I think John McMahon going back is a good signing for them. It brings experience to the back. The fact that they didn't get John Kenny was probably a blow, I, I think, to maybe 
a sucker punch then might have been the fact that Keane goes considering he finished top scorer in the league last year with 18 goals so I touched on it about how players settle if you're settling if you're settling into a league that you know and into a, into a really good team you can settle a bit quicker so it'll be interesting to see how a lot of these signings come into the league and do um, there's a lot of signings a couple of from Estonia from different teams I know Bowles signed a, a Polish centre back as well there's a lot of players that are coming in that probably don't know the league um, and you just have to get used to it and used to the pace of it and how, and how quick it is at times and how frantic it can be so it'll be interesting to see how Sligo do um, but I agree I, I agree I think it will be a tight race between Derry and Rovers I, I think the other teams below it just maybe just haven't got the squad depth to compete over the course of a full season Paul, so Derry City are playing uh, St. Pat's tomorrow night. That uh, Sligo Rovers, Shamrock Rovers game is on Saturday. How has Derry's recruit- recruitment been, do you think? Yeah, I think really good. I think if you if you look at two players in particular, Colin Whelan obviously did very well at UCD. Um, out and out goal scorer and bar you know, the ACL injury, you would probably expect that he would have gone to the UK last year. Mm-hmm. He was going so well. And Adam O'Reilly, who was so good for St. Pat's, I think he probably gives them a nice bit of energy in that engine room in the midfield and can complement the likes of a Patrick McElhenney um, in, in the middle of the park for Derry. So, yeah, very strong. I don't think they needed to do a huge amount. I think with, with both Derry and Shamrock Rovers, they had obviously locked a number of those players down for this season that it was about fine-tuning and maybe just small additions here and there. And they, they look very strong again. I mean, you know, when when you analyse the performance against Shells in the cup final, the maturity they played with, they are definitely going to be close to Shamrock Rovers. And I would expect them to be a little closer given that this is probably Roy Higgins' second full season in charge of that team and just being able to incorporate his ideas and the way they like to play. But for me, what's so important is uh, Michael Duffy and Patrick McElhenney. You could see last mm-hmm. year that when the two of them were injured, Michael Duffy had that broken leg, Patrick McElhenney was out as well. There was a big dip in the middle of the season for them. And that sort of dip you can just not afford because Shamrock Rovers are so consistent throughout the season. So if they can keep those two fists, there's, there's an experience of winning games. They've obviously got a really good connection to the home fans up in Derry. Look to, to progress on from last year. Um, I don't think they'll they'll beat Shamrock Rovers to the title, but I certainly expect them to be a bit closer than they yeah. were last the year. Met, the metrics for them, Paul, were all excellent. Like So they had the biggest, they had the biggest home win of the season. They had the biggest away win of the season, uh, beating Pats 4-0. And... Um, Pats had also matched that going away to draw it, but they, they had the longest winning run in, this, in the league campaign, which was six. They had the longest unbeaten run, which was sixteen. But they just too many draws. And when and McGonagall ran out goals and the goals side up, they needed somebody like a Whelan that would come in and get them goals as well, so that the onus isn't just resting on McGonagall's shoulders. When Duffy went out, you're right, they lost a, um, a goal threat from that side, but also someone that can provide assists too. The metrics for them are good, but they have to make up a 13-point swing. Um, so if, if they're going to do this, they need to make sure that they take more points off Shamrock Rovers themselves. If you're going to take a title away from somebody, you have to make sure that you're the one that's taking points off the team that you're directly challenges. You, you can't rely on other teams to do that for you. So I think the, I think the home form, if they can make the Brandywell a bit more... Um, collect more points at home in the Brandywell and then go on the road and try and be more a bit more pragmatic and get through games and nick one nils. I know they went to Inchi Corley on them, one one nil, which was a great result for them. But the that's you can see that they're on the up and it's similar to what happened with Shamrock Rovers back in twenty nineteen. Dundalk had won multiple leagues, then Shamrock Rovers win the cup in twenty nineteen. The following season Dundalk tail off for um 
uh, Team Shamrock Rovers kicked on but I can't see that happening to Shamrock Rovers because like you said the squad depth and stuff so that's why I think it's it's going to be a really intriguing title race but I agree I think it's going to take a lot for Derry to overcome Shamrock Rovers they are playing uh, St. Pat's, um, Anthony, tomorrow night and they have retained 15 players from last season so they'll have that continuity but Tim Clancy has been quite adamant that he's just looking for that consistency for the season. Yeah, I mean, in fairness to, to Tim Clancy, he kind of had to rebuild that squad last season. You know, what's interesting, just to, to roll back on Derry, I, I wonder how much Derry actually enjoy playing at the... not the surrounds of the Brandywell, they've got brilliant support, but just the pitch... Yeah. I don't know if the yeah. pitch is a bit of an issue for them I'm not, I'm not sure how much they actually enjoy playing on that pitch just looking at it in the President's Cup as well like it's, it's not the best Astro I look at the change aren't you Anthony they're talking about going year, back to brass yeah. next season I think season, so yeah. Graeme yeah so I mean I, I think Derry came down to Inchicore last season and played Pats off the park mm. if you remember That's that right, game yeah. uh, 4 so, so, so they were brilliant absolutely brilliant so Tim Clancy has been speaking this week they're really looking forward to this game St. Pats because it's a chance like, the thing about St. Pats last season if you take out the top three, their record against the rest of the teams were good. The problem yeah. was against that top three, it was poor. It, it was poor. So t- tomorrow night is a really good chance for them to to plant the flag in the ground, you know, in front of a sold out Richmond Park. But there's something about Terry that makes you think they're really going to enjoy it as well. Yeah. You know, that surface and, and going down to play there. So it'll be interesting. Um, Graham, if you're training on grass and then trying to play on Astro and vice versa, how difficult is it just from a playing point of view? Ah, the ball moves different it rolls different it doesn't sit up sometimes when you're hitting balls on Astro when you're drib- off say you're dribbling with the ball and then you go to hit it the ball can run away from you a little bit on Astro or on grass it can sit up for you a little bit nicer uh, in terms of how you turn and how you move it, the Astro is more impactful on your groins and your and your hips and your back um, so t- things like that it changes even your tight Paul would have probably hit more true balls than me over the top but it's just like even you know you're, you're, you're clip, if you're clipping things and it skids off the, if you're hitting them out, if you overhit them it just skids off the Astro and goes out you tend to try and go right I need to clip this a little bit put some, try and put some backspin on it so it holds up then for the defender when it, when it goes over your head and it bounces instead of it bouncing through like a normal run it can bounce up a little bit I always see when you you, you can spot Astro games where the defender's running towards the goal he thinks it's going to bounce he's getting ready to play it and then the ball bounces up and a, a striker just comes through and nicks it off his toe as he's swinging to clear it used to happen a lot at Dundalk uh, in the games there so it does it, it is it can change the trajectory of the ball and how it rolls and how it spins at different times so but the grass to me I just uh, I much prefer playing on grass I think most players do I even prefer training on grass um, but a lot of the teams nowadays are training on the Astros and then moving on to grass but I think the likes of Derry and the Dock are training on the Astro all the time Okay, it is a, definitely an interesting one and there's been so much debate about it um, Paul, the big game on the telly tomorrow night is Cork City and Bowes and you'd have to think it's going to be absolutely electric um, having them back anyway Having Cork back is absolutely brilliant I mean, there's, there's probably... Uh, we're a bit top heavy with the number of teams that are within Dublin so mm-hmm. it's great to have you know that reach down to the uh, southwest and, and having Cork is, is huge and what they bring to the league I mean they've been through turmoil in the last couple of years and it's it's the club has gone through a huge transition so it's great to see the, the stability that actually exists there right now I think Colin Healy deserves massive credit working off a very young squad last year and he was able to get them out of what can be a very very difficult division so it'll be interesting to see how they get on I think you can probably cut bows a 
bit of slack last year for the results that they had and the number of players they lost um, what would worry Bowles fans was the performances but I think they'll they'll probably get a bit of that fight and desire and energy back with, with Decky Devine the likes of um Buckley come back into mm-hmm. the middle of the pitch huge for them and uh, they've had it quite well they're still a bit short defensively be interesting to see how they go but I think with Bowes the work they've done off the pitch Pat Fennell and Dave Henderson Gary Crown, I think they look like they're heading in the right direction they've huge work off the pitch but like the footballing terms I think they'll probably start to get things right this year What about Shelburne um, Anthony because last season and heading into the season into the new season there was so much talk about Damien Duff but things have settled down now and um, that probably brings a little bit more expectation though yeah, well, he wears his heart on his sleeve for sure. Like he has been shy about speaking about the, the lack of investment that there was expected investment over the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the people behind Southampton Sport Republic, there, there had been strong rumours that they were going to invest money in Shelburne, and Damien Duff has been pretty open about you know that it, it's massively affected the business they've done because they just couldn't afford some of the players that they may have wanted to mm-hmm. go after because that investment never came. And in his words, you know experienced players will they'll just expect more money and um, that's not there so he's going to uh, work with a, a young squad he kind of likes that I think and I'm quoting him here when he said I want loads of kids in they don't answer back which is <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek but he's a real coach isn't yeah, he like to he his is, bones yeah. like he wants to get them out onto the training pitch and, and drill them properly and there was improvement in shells last year uh, obviously you know disappointing in the cup final where they were just it just didn't happen for them that day but I, I kind of expect a similar enough season again from the sort of safety of mid-table, lower mid-table. You know, I don't think there's any danger that they'll get they'll go down. Unfortunately, I think the two part-time teams in the division, UCD and Drada, will probably be scrambling to avoid that bottom place. Um, and you know, you never know another cup run. I think most Shells fans would be pretty happy with that. But yeah. he, he's always entertaining, Marie. Definitely uh, compelling. And just finally, before we finish up, uh, Graham Dundalk, we haven't mentioned them yet. Um, what's the expectation on them, given the fact that most people think that it's going to be a title race between uh, Derry City and Shamrock Rovers? I just think they're a little bit shy in their squad. I, I, again, they brought in a lot of players. Um, brought in Cammy Elliott, who played in the lower leagues down in Scotland. Mali, a midfielder, and and Davis who's a right back who obviously Lewis McCarty has gone back on loan so they brought in a lot of defensive players minded players I think Muller is a defensive player as well um, a lot of players that don't know the league that well and will take a little bit of time to settle again when I say they don't know the league I'm, I'm not saying they're bad players but far from it they, they could be really good players it just takes them a little while to settle like any player and get used to the league it's like you play, you play each other four times, you get used to going to grounds, you get used to saying, right, we're going to Richmond, it's a bit, bit tighter pitch, you're going to draw it, it's a tighter pitch, right, we're going up to Derry on a national, etc. So you just get used to your surroundings a little bit more and it can be relaxing as a player. So I just think the, you know, Hooban up front, they've lost Stephen Bradley as well, who's gone back to, I think he's at Livingston now on loan from Hibs. So they've lost a little bit of firepower. Hooban needs to stay as fit as he can to make sure they're getting goals. But, um, I can see them being in the top half but I think they're just a little bit shy in terms of challenging for the for the title um, I think Stephen's really concentrating on the rebuilding process of making them um, strong for this season and then constantly trying to build on it when, when more investment comes into the club like 
Okay, Graham, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Anthony, as well. Thank you. Uh, Paul, I'm going to keep you, though, because I'm going to make you watch Manchester United and Barcelona there and keep us updated throughout uh, the next 30 minutes. We're going to take a very quick break, but stay with us. Uh, Bernard Jackman is standing by to fill us in on all the latest rugby news. RTE 2FM on 2FM. Uh, welcome back. We are going to turn our attention to rugby. Bernard Jackman is with us uh, today. A bit of an injury update earlier on. Ireland lock. Tyke Byrne is going to miss the remainder of the Six Nations. He's been reeled out for up to 12 weeks with an ankle injury sustained in that win over France at the weekend. Simon Easterby was talking to the media today and he filled us all in on the Ireland injuries. Yeah, it is unfortunate for Tyke. He's been such a, an important part of this group over the last couple of seasons. But... He is, um, I saw him this morning, he was heading to, to have his operation this afternoon and, you know, he's in good form. He knows it's, 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 a, it's a reasonably straightforward operation and, and he knows that he's, he's out of the game for 10 or 12 weeks. Um, and so it's, you know, it is part and parcel of the, of the game, unfortunately, but he's, um, you know, he's on good form and, you know, I guess it's his chance to get himself right. Uh, over the next few weeks, and then get back into training when he when he's when he's able to start moving. And just two of the other people in relation to last weekend: Jonathan Saxon, the captain, being one, and Rob hurrying after that um, that horrific challenge. Yeah, uh, Rob's in good form today, and and I think he's a little bit sore, but but naturally he would be, and he's on you know his return to play protocol in terms of his head injury assessment. He you know he failed that on the day, so that means that he's got to go through. Um, you know, a 12-day sort of return to play, and and Sexo's in good form. He's been rehabbing today. His body's responding well um, to to treatment so far. For an old man, he's, he seems to have have um, recovered pretty well, and so he's he's really hopeful and confident that he'll um, he'll go well the next few days, and then he's back into training on Monday. And before we finish up, there's a, a man, age only 33, who's at a announces retirement from rugby today. Certainly, he's a lot younger than you. That's the reality about Jack McGrath as a, as a rugby player and as a person. A tough day for him, but um, a, a man who contributed quite a lot to, uh, to Irish and Lions rugby. Con- contributed a huge amount uh, to Irish rugby over the years. I, you know, really, I guess I was uh, very lucky to, to work with Jack for a number of years. Um, a brilliant person, first and foremost. Um, he is, um, you know, he's been phenomenal for, for Leinster, for Ireland and, and you know, latterly for Ulster when he's been fit. Um, so he'll be sorely missed. He's such a good person. He's such a good guy. Um, I do remember one time he landed Landed on me in, in in a captain's run in the Millennium Stadium and crushed me and I I, I think for about six weeks my uh, my sternum was in, in pieces because he's such a, a big man uh, but yeah I, I remember Jack in terms of what he's done in, on the rugby field with great fondness he's been involved in so many big games for Ireland um, you know and I wish him and Sinead uh, all the best over the next uh, few years and. Hopefully we'll see Jack around the Viva um, supporting the lads uh, when he gets a chance and gets a bit of free time. Simon needs to be there talking to our own Michael Corcoran a little bit earlier on. Uh, Bernard, let's just start on Jack McGrath. 33, still so young. He had been injured and was trying to get back for such a long time. And sometimes I think we kind of gloss over the effort that people like Jack and other players who are injured and trying to get back, get back put in but it's such a lonely road Yeah and particularly for Jack because I'm not sure if a lot of people know but he, he finished up at Ulster last summer probably at the end of June so effectively he's been rehabbing um, and training on his own steam you know out of his own funds whereas you know um, a lot of players come back from injury and it's very difficult but they're they're looked after very closely by the province because they're under contract so Jack has done everything in his power to try and get his body up to 
um, a level that he could get a contract somewhere else um, in uh, elsewhere in Ireland or, or abroad but obviously he just couldn't get back right and I think um, he's had to call it a day and uh, it's a tough tough time for anyone when they retire but um, he had a, he's had an unbelievable career mm-hmm. um, and he, I'm sure in time um, he'll he'll be able to look back with, with really fond memories even though obviously he has that initial disappointment of having to retire this week Yeah I think especially when it's not your decision when it's taken out of your hands and and you're forced to retire because of injury it just makes it that bit harder yeah and look at um, you know props generally and, and someone like Jack who was very very strong in a set piece um, tend to be able to play on you know mm. a, a little bit longer so um, it was unfortunate but he's, he can he can rest easy knowing he's done everything in his power both in terms of the rehab that he did with Ulster but also they did privately to try and get back but just wasn't um, wasn't able to get his body in the shape he needed to so Tygburn out for 12 weeks under the knife today um, an operation on his ankle 12 weeks is in too bad unless you're in a World Cup year yeah no 12 weeks <laughs> still okay in a World Cup okay? year Look, he's a blow for Ireland for Six Nations he's a big blow to Munster you know who are obviously in the European um, knockout stages plus obviously he'll be chasing silverware in the URC he's having another great season um, but as Simon said there it's a pretty straightforward injury which isn't always the case yeah. and 12 weeks you know he'll come back into pre-season like everybody else um, on the back so of a holiday yeah so he'll be back he'll have his holiday in June um, and he'll be back to start okay, pre-season at, at the yeah. end at the start of July so um, he's a key man for Ireland mm-hmm. at this World Cup um, himself and James Ryan together have built up a really good relationship um, I'm really interested to see what happens next so I think obviously Ian Henderson will start Maybe not against Italy, but you know, for for Scotland and France, it's it's going to be Henderson and Ryan, you would say. But who then becomes the backup? Will they go with Joe McCarthy, who does big raps about? Or we've seen Gavin Coombs play a little bit at second row um, for for Munster, and would he be a guy on the bench who's covering second row and back row? Um, if he if he is, I think look at the form he's been in since November when he had a tough. Uh, well, he didn't play great against uh, New Zealand in that A game uh, but his form for Munster has been phenomenal and uh, I think he could be somebody that um, could be a bit of uh, a wild card to come in and, and get some game time in the Six Nations Good to hear Simon say there that for an old guy as we know now Johnny Sexton's old because we talk about it all the time uh, he's recovering well yeah, look, I don't think I think it's worked out perfectly because um, Ross Byrne got to play 35 minutes, and it seems as if Johnny's injury isn't too bad. Now, do you need to risk him against Italy? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be, you know, total change. But there's no need to risk him against Italy. Ross Byrne has showed against France and and over 15 minutes against Wales, and obviously what he's been doing for Leinster that he's right bang in form. And I think you know we need to know what we can do without Johnny Sexton. Um, and looking after him next week against Italy I think would be um, a wise move but also you know it's great that it's not serious enough that he's in doubt for for Scotland or or England Now let's have a look at the latest developments with Wales rugby so Warren Gatland who's a head coach there now said that he wouldn't back his players if they decided to strike instead of lining up against England in the Six Nations he said he supports his squad's cause amid ongoing uh, dispute caused by Welsh Rugby's professional contracts freeze but would not agree if they opted to boycott the game at uh, the Principality Stadium a week on Saturday Um, asked if he would support this course of action he said no is he just making the right decision or is he just playing devil's advocate? Does he, I suppose, look, how can he, given the 
fact that he's employed by them it's probably hard to back the players in that situation but should he be coming out and being a bit more sportive yeah look at if he, he he says he puts the blame onto the players union mm-hmm. um, he said they've been too weak and he's constantly told the players that they need to have a stronger voice my understanding of it is is that the players have given the WRU an ultimatum that they want somebody a player representative on this PGB which is the, the highest body that basically dictates the future of, of Welsh rugby so it's a mixture of Union, WRU and Regions but the players have never had a voice on it so apparently that's the one of the big things they've put the gun to the WRU's head and the deadline is apparently is next Wednesday so yesterday there was a sponsors night and the players said they didn't want to go they were told it would have been breach of contract if they didn't go so they went by all accounts and then didn't mingle and left after the starter so they fulfilled their contractual obligation but they walked out at the same time so, so like a bit of a yeah, protest it's protest right yeah. so that's the start of it right so then Netflix was kicked out apparently um, of training yesterday and we know there's been issues with other players or other teams but that's another protest uh-huh. um, the ultimate protest is obviously to strike and not play a Six Nations game which can you imagine the ramifications of that but to be honest these players Alan Wynne Jones basically said today when you've been treated ultimately if you treat people badly for long enough you get to where we find ourselves um, and that's where they're at now where they're talking about a strike in the middle of the Six Nations um, because it's good for Netflix it's really good for Netflix if they yeah. can get the if they can get the people to interview them <laughs> um, it'll be interesting if they, like this is Netflix wouldn't have imagined that they could yeah. get to this you know what I mean um, but sure even them getting kicked out like they probably yeah. they'll they'll dramatise of course that. Yeah. of course yeah. but the reality is the reason players are talking about striking is as of now none of them know where their future is in June uh, so the WRU haven't done a deal with the regions on funding the deal that looks like it's about to be signed um, is going to basically drastically cut everybody's funding and that will that will re- reduce or will result in players be less smaller squads and less pay for players um, they, and all, at the moment they're, they're caught because there's a 60 cap rule so if you don't have 60 caps you can't leave Wales and still play for Wales so effectively the players are saying something has to give if you want to cut our salaries in Wales well then let us go and, and mm-hmm. earn you know what's market value elsewhere but still be able to play for Wales so um, it's it's very messy there's talk about three regions they're talking about the Ospreys maybe amalgamating with Ealing there's a couple of regions that are very close to the administration if this deal isn't signed um, there's obviously all the background stuff of sexism and mm-hmm. uh, and bad governance Um so the WRU and Wales once again have found themselves in a, a bit of a, um, of a storm but this looks to be the most serious they've ever had I think So what's your predicted outcome here? Look I think I think the WRU needs to the WRU can't let the players strike and effectively England-Wales be be postponed I mean that would be the ultimate so I think the players do have a very strong um, ace to play and I think they will get a better deal um, maybe not for long term funding so in two years time we're going to be back at this stage again where there's debate but hopefully the regions stay solvent and players can you know plan for like a, there's a player off the record there's a few players who haven't been able to get mortgages there's a player who's currently playing in that Welsh squad who's on antidepressants he says it's been driven by this lack of certainty mm-hmm. so um, this is this is very very messy um, and obviously on the field the performances are horrendous as well so uh, and there's a lot of apathy in the Welsh public now because they're not the soccer has taken a, a massive hold in, in the valley so um, getting this sorted out is only this isn't going to be the magic potent this is just the start of hopefully what's going to be a, a series of events that are going to help basically reconnect the Welsh 
public and and their rugby. Yeah, well, they need to connect with their own players yeah, first sure. before they even get the the public back on board. Are uh, you or C back this weekend? Your she's back this weekend, yeah. And obviously, there's a few Welsh teams uh, coming to Ireland. The Dragons are playing Leinster on Saturday. Ospreys are playing Munster tomorrow. And where their heads are at. I mean, you know, um, I believe one of the Welsh regions, you know, played five side soccer today. Um, because they just couldn't be motivated to train, you know, and and you got to go into it. Not nothing wrong with five-sided soccer. I, I played. I, I used to love it in five-sided soccer, but you know, it's just difficult to understand because they're kind of relying on the national team to um, do their uh, represent them. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, no one cares in Wales. No one cares about the fellas left in the regions. Um, it's the Alan Wynne Jones, the Dan Biggers, etc., who have to carry the the fight. So. Um, maybe some of them are going to pull a performance out of the bag because their backs are to the wall but it's certainly not ideal preparation um, Connacht have Zebra and uh, or Ulster go to Glasgow so um, yeah back into URC but again URC is funniest time of year um, because certain teams have international players back and others don't Wales haven't released anyone back to the regions and obviously you know there's some Irish lads come back so um, it could be a tough weekend for, for the Welsh regions in, in Ireland and just finally then, Bernard, a word on Ireland's scrum half, Catherine Dane. She put up an Instagram post a little bit earlier and she revealed that she suffered a brain hemorrhage during national uh, team training in Dublin. Three months ago, I suffered a brain hemorrhage, she said. Luckily, the IRFU medical team were close at hand to respond immediately and get me the care that I needed. She th- went on to thank the IRFU, Connolly and Beaumont Hospitals, Rugby Players Ireland family, friends love and support she said she hopes to make a full recovery and return to work and to rugby but it's going to take uh, some time for now she is Ireland's biggest fan uh, she's just put this out uh, this evening uh, totally shocking really when you think about it um, like for something like that to happen in training like glad to hear she's on the mend um, and great uh, respect for her for sharing her, mm. her details as well but a very tough and scary thing for anyone yeah well look we, uh, to be honest I, I didn't know about this this has stayed pretty quiet mm. um, and you know there's so much focus on concussion but this is brain hemorrhage yeah. the, the, uh, the poor uh, the the poor player and, and, and like it's lucky probably it happened in national team training where yeah. there are, you know there is medical around yeah. medical aid or aid around them in fairness she's very positive about the treatment she got which is which yeah. is a positive um, and yeah look at hope hopefully she gets back to, to full health um, and just full health yeah, and exactly. you know she's a physio in, 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 her, in her day job mm. um, 23 caps for Ireland and yeah it's it's pretty shy. I, like to be honest whether an amateur level schoolboy level professional level playing or coaching I've never been involved in a team that someone had a brain hemorrhage you know what I mean uh, thank god words, yeah, yeah words, you know what I mean like so um, it, it's a it's a big shock I've heard I've seen a lot of injuries but not that so uh, luckily she's she's back and it happened three months ago um, but she's yeah she's she's health, healthier than she was obviously and hopefully she makes a full recovery um, and just finally, Bernard, um, as you know, my children play rugby for Terenure. Next week, I'm hosting three 11-year-olds from Cardiff, from the Cardiff schools. Very exciting times. And just nice to actually be doing exchanges like mm. that again. So they're staying with me from Monday to Thursday playing Mary's and Terenure and going around to see the sights in Dublin. Stock up the fridge. As well. Okay. <laughs> six lads in the house. Three 11-year-old rugby players, they, they elite you out of <laughs> house and home. But it's, it's brilliant. And, um, and then, obviously, when your lads get the chance to go over yeah. there, it, this, that's, that's what, I suppose... Um, make sports uh, so interesting meeting new people and, and having a chance to travel and, and take people in so I hope yeah, as well I'll be getting all the insight into what's happening <laughs> in Wales uh, Bernard Jackman thank you so much we're going to take a break now and then we're back Paul Curry's going to update us on the Barcelona Man United game and we have American Sports with Chip Game on on Cork's 
banging form for Manchester mm-hmm. United since come back from the World Cup he got in down the left hand side in a little pocket of space between the full back and the centre half and Ter Stegen's pulled off another good save but Barcelona to be fair to them have had a, a couple of maybe half opportunities um, De Gea has only been called into action once but there's there's obviously a threat at the top end of the pitch with, with Gavi with Lewandowski and Rafinha and I guess they're, they're looking to carve Manchester United open uh, Gavi's or Pedri's had to go off and Sergio Roberto's come on second half just begun Okay, well, keep an eye on that. We are going to talk American sports now with Jeff Shepard, so we'll check in with you before seven. Paul, Shep, how are you? I'm great, Marie. How's it going over there? We're grand. We have a very good football match on very early in the evening, so we're all very happy here. Now, Shep, I'm going to talk to you about the Super Bowl, but first, more importantly, in my mind anyway, we need to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Right. So, he's not Of course, I knew that's where this was going, yes. Correct. So... He's not sure whether he will retire or play on next season. And he's going through a really unusual process to help him make this decision. Talk us through it. Okay. So he basically has football first. He basically kind of has three options in front of him. You know, come back, play in Green Bay again. Come back and ask to be traded and figure out where he, you know, would like to maybe go and who would offer the best stuff to the Packers or retire. And, you know, I think he's played 18 or 19 seasons. He's about 39 years old. So, I mean, you know, typically this is when quarterbacks would be leaving the game, you know, everybody besides Tom Brady, you know. Um, So to help him, I guess, um, facilitate the decision making process in his life on Monday, he has he is signing up for and, and I know we're on radio, so you can't see the air quotes, but we're going to say the word retreat in quotes. OK, and so he is signing up to go spend four days in a dark room. It will have a, a bucket and a bathtub in there for him. Um, and he will be given his food through a two inch opening in the door. Now, um, I'm not completely familiar with the penal system in Ireland, but that sounds incredibly similar to solitary confinement like we have here in the States. Um, the difference is he has said that he, um, and it's going to be dark, um, he's not going to have any access to light, so he's just basically going to try to go and maybe meditate and, in, as Depeche Mode would say, enjoy the silence, I guess. Um, and so... That's what his plan is. He can leave at any time. The door's not going to be locked. It, apparently, you know, you can come and he, he can leave if he wants to. It's not like he's going to be trapped in there for four days. But, you know, instead of, I don't know, spending a couple of hours in thought talking to his family members, maybe talking to his agent, he's going to go deprive himself of one of his senses and sit in the dark for four days. It's so crazy. Now, just to add as well, if he does have any issue with his introspective journey, he can get an audible to keep him entertained. But, Shep, we've been following him for so long now. Was he always this eccentric, or has it just become more apparent, maybe as we've got to know him a little bit better? 
Well, and if you remember, you know, last year we had the big discussion about all the hallucinogenics, the ayahuasca that he was taking and the things that he was seeing. And uh, I believe the year before that, he went hiking in um, in Hawaii for several weeks in the offseason. And look, I'm, I don't want to begrudge the guy going hiking in Hawaii for several weeks. I mean, that's if you got more money than you know what to do with. That's a phenomenal way to live your life. Um, I, I just I think the thing, Marie, is in the American sports landscape, there just doesn't seem to be anyone else out here kind of acting on this wavelength, you know, where the stories that are coming out, it, it, it's almost like, um, you know, anything that you say about Aaron Rodgers, I think I would have to believe it because you can't believe it until and then you get the explanation. Oh, well, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, I could see him doing that now. You know, I mean, oh, I'm going to ride my motorcycle across the country. Sure. Absolutely. I could see that. You know, I'm going to go sleep on the beach for a month. Yeah. I, I mean, I could totally see that happening, too. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know where the limits is. This is certainly a new one. I, I don't know if any other player in any sport in America has ever kind of taken this uh, tactic uh, to this extreme. We'll see how it plays out us on it uh, next week chef please uh, let's talk about the super bowl now um i'm sure you yeah. enjoyed it uh we're looking at the we're, we're looking on now a little bit and and mahomes and the fact that he was just so brilliant and keeps delivering again and again is it fair now to call him the new tom brady i mean look I, I, first and foremost i thought it was a great football game um you know it was tight it was as close as just about everybody projected i, I picked the eagles in a close one it easily could have gone that way um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, Marie, I, I thought it was really interesting how the postseason played out. Um, you know, you had Josh Allen and, and, and Joe Burrow and, and Patrick Mahomes, the three that we talked about, you know, for several months in the AFC just being above and beyond everyone else. And, you know, Burrow took care of Josh Allen and then Mahomes took care of Burrow in the AFC championship game. And he gets a second title um, in the last like four years. And they've played for another Super Bowl and lost, and they've made the AFC Championship game the other two years and lost there. So, I mean, really, the last five years, I mean, they are on the cusp of, you know, all these different opportunities to win the Super Bowl. I think far and away, with Brady stepping away, Mahomes has clearly assumed the role as the best quarterback in the NFL. Now, how, how much farther ahead is he the, uh, than Burrow and and, and Josh Allen, I don't know. I'll, I'll let somebody else figure that out. But I think he is heads and heads above those guys. Hey, he's wearing two rings right now, you know. And I don't know if he'll get to to seven like Brady has. I mean, think about it. He's he's not even really a third of the way there yet, and he's got two. Now he is young, and he's going to play for a very long time. Uh, but the Chiefs are going to have to make some decisions, you know, related to a lot of their players and free agency, like all teams do, and they pay him a lot of money. But right now, you know, a couple of years ago, Marie, we talked about after he won the first one, oh, it's no doubt he's going to get, you know, another one sometime soon. And, you know, we'll see how many he winds up with. Well, he's got that second one now. And it's not easy to do. Um, but, yeah, you've got to think he's going to get three, maybe four. And then you're getting into this rarefied air of quarterbacks that have, you know, t more than two, more than three championships. I mean, they are few and far between, and they are all, you know, clear top-tier first ballot Hall of Famers. And then you're chasing records after that. Um, Shep, thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you next week. You can tell us all about how, how Aaron Rodgers got on. <laughs> uh, Paul Corey, in the few minutes that I haven't been speaking to you, it's all been happening. <laughs>
It's raining goals at the new camp. I said it was it was an open game in the first half. Barcelona took the lead on 49 minutes. A, a deep cross from Rafinha to the back post. Uh, Fred's just lost the run of Alonso. He's got caught under the ball, and Alonso headed in from about two or three yards out. And as I speak, Marcus Rashford has just equalised for Manchester United. So bang in form at the <laughs> he did moment. Say that. Yeah, he's bang in form. He's gone down the right hand side. I just wonder. Could Ter Stegen have done better? He's been beaten at his near post, but a good finish. And uh, listen, it's a really open game, and this goal will only lend itself to a you know, fantastic finish. Grand. Uh, Paul Curry, thank you so much for coming in. That is all we have time for, but we will be back tomorrow looking ahead to a full weekend sport. Uh, better to sell us up next. RTE 2FM.